There's no doubt that the old politics of the two-party system is now gone and over. I don't need lectures from you or anybody on the Sinn Féin side of the house. We're very reluctant to kind of say what's red lines, but, but we do have to take climate seriously. There's going to be constant criticism, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, and whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular. Okay. We're here in Leinster House. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Joining us soon will be Micheál Lehan uh, of our political staff, Sandra Hurley also with me, and Sarkhani Ria, the From North TG Cahar. Uh, the eviction ban, of course, is the story of the week. And we had the confidence motion, we had the Sinn Féin vote. Um, I was struck by what the Keon Corla said, Sandra, at the end of the uh, confidence debate, uh, when he clearly wasn't impressed with the uh, the level of interruptions and so on that had been going on all morning. Yeah, there was a real edge to that debate yesterday morning. Um, a lot of vitriol directed particularly at the Labour Party, of course, who had originally triggered the confidence motion. And I think they were a bit taken aback by that, the Labour Party itself, uh, because the government very much focused on them. There was two lines of attack from the government. One, that this uh, call to deliver one million homes over the next 10 years by Ivana Bacic at her conference last weekend. One, that that wasn't credible. And secondly... Uh, an yeah, accus- Danny Healy Ray, yeah. <laughs> Danny Healy Ray had the great line about the, the they couldn't build a hen house or whatever. Uh, and then uh, also the second line of attack was that accusing Labour of falling into line with what the government would see as the populism of Sinn Féin. Um, Labour fought back saying, you know, you're spending more time attacking us than you are defending your own policies. But I think the government very much turned, tried to turn it around back onto Labour. In the event, they won comfortably. There was obviously all this background of negotiations with independents. I'm told the independents didn't have as much leverage this week as they did last mm-hmm. week, coming as, as it did after that vote last week. But they certainly, um, some of them were very coy, six regional independents who didn't declare their hand until Wednesday morning. So I, I think something was going on there. Uh, it's difficult to know exactly what, though, because these deals aren't spoken about. They're not formal deals. They're not written down. But certainly they, the no- government numbers boosted by those six regional independents and, of course, people like Nasa Harrigan, uh, Joe McHugh and Mark McSharry. An interesting Nasa Harrigan voting confidence but not voting on the on the eviction with the government on the eviction, the Sinn Féin eviction ban legislation. Yeah, it was a very strange decision because why would she vote for one and not for the other? Um, I suppose maybe she found she couldn't. How could she vote no confidence in the government because then she'd be voting no confidence yeah. in herself, I suppose. So from that point of view, maybe it did make sense. But um, it was vitriolic in patches. And I think Sinn Féin had that ploy of asking the question, you know, what are you going to do? The Louise O'Reilly um, bringing that up about one of her own constituents and asking other members who are in that constituency who are now members of the government asking them, what are you going to do about it? And repeating Where will that. they go? Directly to Joe O'Brien? Yes, directly yes, to Dara yes. O'Brien? Yeah, yeah, I thought that was very effective and it really put Joe O'Brien on the spot. Um, because how are you going to answer a question like that? Obviously, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to, you can't personalise it for a start. So... No one could answer that question, really. And again, today, I think we saw that in leaders again today. It was vitriolic between Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin, getting really nasty, I thought, at points. And again, the Concorla had to intervene and say that he wasn't going to stand for this kind of debate and mm-hmm. infighting and people... The Tánaiste had to give up on um, the second answer he was giving to Pierre Starty and Sinn Féin when, uh, again, talking about evictions. So... 
is that a harbinger of what's going to come in the Dáil in the next couple of months when we come back after the Easter recess? I don't know. And so the government had the numbers on the votes last week and, and this week, but the test now is going to be from this week on, isn't it me, Hallahan, who's just rushed in? Thank you for joining us. The test is going to be the numbers because it'll be whether those numbers, we already know, 11,754 people uh, an emergency accommodation on the homeless list, whether those numbers, whether the numbers on the streets, whether they are going to go up. Yeah, that's the clear test. And then the evictions, we know that there are notices to quit there of around 4,700. We know that that's likely to increase when the notices for the final quarter of the year are going to be released on Monday afternoon. So looking at all those statistics, it seems inevitable that the numbers will go up. At which point does that or at what point does that become a real political crisis and that there are further votes called in the Dáil on this? The government had enough. It had enough arrangements in place with independence uh, and it worked parliamentary procedure uh, skillfully enough last night as well by putting down that reasoned amendment to the Sinn Féin piece of legislation, Mm -hmm. which was a way for uh, people who were feeling uneasy about it uh, to support the government on that one. There probably mightn't, that mightn't continue indefinitely, albeit the type of confidence that's in the air within government ranks now talking about going the full distance uh, and being built to last. Yeah, and uh, what was it Mick Barry said about uh, the Will Smith moment? Uh, So that Will Smith had had this great film career, but the moment he's going to be known for his defining moment is that uh, slap at the Oscars. Uh, And he was saying that's this kind of moment for the government, again, Sandra, that's something we're going to see in the months ahead, isn't it? Yeah, I think the government has staked a lot on this decision. It is a controversial decision. They have no choice now but to defend it and to insist that not everybody's going to be evicted that has a notice to quit at the moment. But I think some of the it, it, uh, some of what's uh, transpired over the last few days has been damaging. It's not good when an NGO like Flack comes out and criticises the Taoiseach very clearly saying that what Leo Radker had said could have been construed as suggesting that people should overhold and also uh, suggesting that maybe there might be a, a way to avoid being evicted from your house even if you had a valid notice to quit. The accusation there really, as Keno Callaghan said, was that you could be giving people law, false you hope. Presume yes. that a judge is going to exercise legal exactly. Exactly. And I think that that is not good for uh, the Taoiseach to have that type of criticism levelled at him. Also, of course, Flack saying we don't have the resources to deal with all the, the huge, the deluge of calls that are coming into our office. Um, the Taoiseach today was asked about it. He sort of stood over what he said. Um, and he said that, there, you know, if they needed more resources, they would get more resources. But they are in this position now where they have to insist that the measures are in place, that if you're a local authority tenant or if you're on RAS or, or HAP, that mm-hmm. you will be able to get sorted. But the proof will be in those uh, potential evictions over the next while. Yeah, and Barry Cowan and Sweets? Oh, gosh. Yeah, that was unfortunate from Barry Cowan's point of view, I suppose, because... Um, I heard him, he was on radio this morning trying to justify that and saying that he didn't mean anything by it or he didn't mean to be condescending by it. But it was an unfortunate um, analogy, I suppose, to draw. Uh, He was trying to say that really uh, it was analogous to saying that you can't paper over the cracks, that that was the point he was trying to make. But um, still, some people have been very insulted by it. But um, at lunchtime today, there was a protest outside Leinster House here. Now, it was a relatively small protest, but they were representatives from the trade unions and so on. And I found that kind of worrying because, um, you know, speaking to someone from SIPDU and they were saying that that 
their members, you know, people who are teachers and members of the civil service and nurses and so on, especially people who are on the lower ranking scales that they can't afford. <coughs> now, we've heard that anecdotally, I suppose, before that they can't afford to pay for the rents in Dublin and in other cities like Galway and Cork and Waterford. But when you actually hear representatives from SIPDU saying, look, this is what our members yeah. are telling us, that they are having these difficulties and so much so that they're thinking that um, services in those cities are going to be affected by it now as well, that it's gotten to that level. And, and again, we're hearing, we had another case on Morning Ireland this morning, a man who's holding down a job and working, but he's sleeping in his car at the moment because he's he's got nowhere to live. And, you know, there's been a lot of, again, the numbers will tell, but the, the numbers as well, this may be something that's a slow build. It may not be a sudden tsunami, but something that will build over the next couple of months. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, government's saying they're confident that people will find alternatives, particularly the Taoiseach, who seems genuinely relaxed about this, which is at odds with the opposition. And some of that does seem to be based on the fact that government backbenchers are not under massive pressure at the constituency office level around this, which does seem extraordinary uh, given the numbers. That that does seem to be the case. At the same time, I think there is a realisation that some people who do find themselves in bother are going to go back to living with their parents. Uh, they're going to be sofa surfing with friends and all that. So on those grounds, perhaps the, the alarm won't sound fully uh, f- for right. quite a while. And this came up at the parliamentary party meetings, didn't it? That, you know, some TDs are getting more pressure on other issues. The trans issue was the one raised at Fine Gael. Yeah, to, to illustrate that point, TDs keen to say that, that they are getting other issues coming to them and that the trans uh, gender issue is a big one. And of course, Leo Varadkar saying within that meeting what he has said in the Dáil uh, previously, that he doesn't want uh, people in Leinster House getting dragged into a culture war uh, and saying it is better to talk about these things and education is the key. Uh, look, a, a search really and some ask for guidance seemed to be what was happening at the parliamentary party right. meeting. <clears throat> Taoiseach also talking about uh, going the full term, as you were saying, at that parliamentary party meeting. Full yeah. term is back. Well, he would say that, wouldn't he? Mm. Except so he that said would something be... different to me. Did he? Uh, the talk of November 2024 a few weeks ago or a few yeah, months ago. Yeah, there was talk mm. of the autumn, but now it, it would be going out to the spring of 25. Who doesn't love the... a February election? That's, yeah. that's <laughs> nice. It's worked out very well I'm for everyone. Yeah. Before we move on and talk about some other matters, uh, just to, uh, again, the fall out of all of this uh, within the Green Party. Yeah, well, I suppose NASA Horrigan is gone out of the party now and um, that caused a lot of ill feeling within the party with a lot of the councillors giving out about the um, how long she was suspended for the 15 months and um, other and things. And losing the year of this committee as well. I mean, there was a lot of compliments about her work as chair of the budgetary oversight committee, wasn't there? And, you know, that she her voice she, would be yeah, missed Yeah, that there, she was yeah. a hard worker there, yeah. So it is... It is I suppose, difficult for them going forward because that they have to plan now, you know, look at their members, make sure that everything's going to be OK in future for other votes. Yeah. All right. Uh, it had reached a point, though, there was something of the Tommy Brune about Nessa Harrigan at that point, wasn't there? Oh, in and out of, of a government party. It, it did seem inevitable, but the, but the scale of it. But then it was surprising to some, at least, especially given that she was deep in conversation with Ivana Batchik just before that confidence vote yeah, was taken. Yeah, there was taken. a lot of speculation while that vote was going yes. on. I was watching on the TV at home and you're watching your phone and everyone's <laughs> watching them in the Doyle Chamber. Yeah, but in the end, uh, that was just part of the banter that does seem to take place before TDs are about to vote and she voted with the government, but wasn't there for that yeah. second vote last night then on the Sinn Féin legislation. A lot of speculation as well about whether Ivana or, or whether Nasa Harrigan 
will rejoin the Green Party, whether she'd go, you know, and again, depending on what happens with the boundaries in Dublin Central, it could all be very interesting in the future, would it be couldn't it? for her to be an independent? Would she have a better chance of being re-elected in that constituency if she's an independent? And obviously that's something she's going to have to consider herself. Um, hard to know, really. You yeah. would think she would have a good chance as an independent. Isn't that where Maureen O'Sullivan was for a long time and Tony yes. Gregory before that? So you'd imagine there'd be... Um, a strong tradition of voting for independence in that constituency yeah. as a result. I think the electorate may be a little confused, though, if her own arguments probably are very consistent, but there is a subtlety to them, isn't there? Voting against the government one week on a particular issue and then voting with them for a confidence motion, that probably is a difficult one to sell in, during an election yeah. campaign. And the Labour Party, their first no-confidence motion in 23 years, their promise of a million homes in in a decade, Um their fate this week? Were they happy with the outcome of it all? Well, I think they were really subject to the type of criticism and the scale of it that you probably don't expect, especially coming from other parts of the opposition. It shows that the the legacy for Labour is very much there and perhaps a fear too among some independents that if there is any uh, possibility of Labour ever getting a foothold back in a meaningful way in the door, that that has to be stepped down and Danny Healy Ray's particular criticism was the most notable, saying he wouldn't trust them to build a hen house and if they did, a fox would clean it in one night. Uh, yes, uh, let's move on. Uh, just before we actually, uh, you know, there's been so much heat and rancour, as you say, in the Dáil this week. And th- this question of the, you know, the eviction ban and homelessness, it's becoming so pressing, not just for the individuals involved, but economically as, mm-hmm. as well as socially. Uh, but the polls are kind of bouncing along, really yeah. pretty much within the margin of error. I mean, so all of this is going on, but nothing huge seems to have shifted yet within the public, or am I misreading them? What's your I, take? I think uh, the series of polls over the past month, three different newspaper polls, uh, the three main parties staying pretty similar to where they have been. I think uh, I was at the Labour Party conference last weekend and there was a lot of interest in the Business Post Red Sea poll to see where the Social Democrats were and they were actually up mm-hmm. two points in that poll. Now that is within the margin of error but it put them ahead of Labour. Fear of course in Labour is that there had been a previous poll that had shown that the leadership of uh, Holly uh, Kearns, the, her elevation to leadership had led to a five point increase but then another poll, a separate one had put the Social Democrats below Labour. So I think the smaller parties kind of jockeying for position uh, uh, in, in those lower ranks, certainly a lot of huge rivalry between the Social Democrats and Labour. But the three larger parties kind of staying somewhat as they were. Fianna Fáil a little bit down at the weekend, perhaps due to the uh, mm-hmm. criticism over the eviction ban. But it didn't seem to hit Fine Gael, which is odd. But I suppose as well, you forget, and I think Michal Martin made this point in the Dáil during the week, that in terms of employment and economically speaking, that the country is doing pretty well and that we have... I can't remember the exact figure that he gave now, but how many thousands more are in employment now than there were even before this government came into office. And I suppose that is reflected in some way in kind of satisfaction with the government. I'm sure if the unemployment rate was very high and inflation very high, then we would probably see a lot more dissatisfaction. But uh, maybe that accounts for a bit of it. So the next big talking point as we come into the run up to Easter and the anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement and all this speculation as the politicians have returned home from Washington, uh, a Biden visit. Where are we? What do we know? Yeah, it does seem like Joe Biden will be coming to the island of Ireland on the 11th of April and before arriving in Dublin on the 12th. And then there are going to be trips to the West. 
uh, as well as a trip to Aris and Uchtheron to meet President Michael D. Higgins. And then he, they will be hosted by the Taoiseach at Farmley House in the Phoenix Park. If there is to be a kind of a big public address, a big with crowds and that, it seems that that's more likely to take place in the West, possibly in Mayo, uh, rather than in Dublin. And then it's just a question of where does the Louth visit take place? Does that happen as he's travelling down from Belfast early on in the trip? or is Because you have to on? keep both branches of the family both, happy, yeah. isn't that That's right? That's right, yeah. So but that, uh, no trip to the Guinness storehouse, I'm told. You might remember that they had a really good run with the Queen and Obama, President Obama, but Joe Biden doesn't drink. And if he is going to do something extra in Dublin, there's some talk maybe of CHQ, that museum that looks at emigration. That would be a subject close to his heart. And it would uh, be more straightforward, I think, than going to the Guinness storehouse. Seems to be that the, ag- the agenda and the itinerary won't be packed. It's going to be a maximum of two to three events every day. Uh, I wonder... Sorry, I wonder, will he fly out of Shannon then? Is that the plan to... Yeah, there seems to be a, a possibility from Shannon or not. But equally then, I think some people who are working on the trip say that he is going to be based in Dublin for the duration and will go over and back to the West, possibly on the helicopter. He might even get in a game of golf with Niall Horan. He was a big hit at St. Patrick's Day in the <laughs> oh, yeah. White House, wasn't he, he this yeah, year? Yeah. And uh, a Kenny and for the golf. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and not the, the Belfast part of the trip, though, that's not going to, going to be as big as originally had been anticipated because we ain't got no power sharing. Uh, no, and and the Stormont won't be sitting. So I don't know what the events are going to be. And also there was some talk initially that it was going to consi- coincide with this event that's being held in Queen's University, I think, on the following Monday and Tuesday. And that's the event where um, the uh, President Bill Clinton and Hillary are supposed to be coming over for that and attending that event. And there was some speculation initially that Joe Biden would be here for that event as well. But obviously that's not going to happen now if he's going to be here the Monday or Tuesday. Before Probably then. the diplomatics of having to a president and a former president in the country at the same time would be a little bit of a stretch, maybe. I don't know. And maybe with the, well, the increased security threat in the north then as well. Mm-hmm. And Biden's saying nothing will stop him, though he's still determined to yeah. go north. I mean, it, 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 it's interesting in the um, in the podcast that we we did as for the as part of the Good Friday anniversary uh, programs, and the last one, um, we spoke to Trina Vago, who's president of the U.S. Ireland Alliance, and she set that up in '98. You know, just at the time that the agreement was signed, and she was making a really important point. You know, this may be the last Irish American president we see with Irish roots who's coming back to claim his birthright. We've been very lucky so far, even, you know, Obama as immortalised in the plaza now. Um, And we're going to have to start working this relationship a lot more going into the future. Do you think there's, have you heard anyone talk about that or is there an awareness of that around here? Well, I think if there is one person working that relationship with great gusto, it would be the former coherent look of the Shannon, Mark Daly, who does seem to be uh, the Oireachtas main man uh, on on that particular point. Yeah, he was the first into the room, wasn't he? Uh, the the uh, in the White House, didn't he come in ahead of uh, the Taoiseach mm-hmm. and uh, President Biden? Not for the first time has <laughs> former Cahirlik got ahead of the Taoiseach on those American trips. And do we know? Um, because we saw Nancy Pelosi, of course, addressing a joint meeting of the Earthless when she was here. Do, do we know whether? Haven't heard any talk of that this time. No, no uh, it, it seems to be looking less likely. I'm sure it's something that obviously the politicians would love to have uh, it. And they've had re- in recent months. Roberta Mazzola and Ursula von der Leyen but it doesn't look like uh, President Biden is going to be doing one and it does uh, it does seem to go to what Michal is saying that he's only doing a few events per day so there's probably not a huge amount of room in the schedule uh, Or the yes. schedule maybe of many TDs here either who might have 
alternative plans. Yes, it would it be during the recess, recess so yes. uh, yeah. that, that, is, that does cause a difficulty. I think this is a, an official visit rather than a state visit, which means it's less, less ceremonial. Oh, right. So, there, so there's more room for manoeuvring. <clears throat> and I suppose, you know, diplomatically, nobody said it out loud, but the government here kind of breathing a sigh of relief that there was no Trump presidential visit with all of the um, questions um, that that might have thrown. Although he's, he's back in the race, so, you know, mm-hmm. you never know. It could happen yet. Um, one thing, uh, let's, uh, let's wrap up on. And, you know, there'll be a lot of, again, big people in town, there'll be a lot of talk about these great moments of 25 years ago, Sarah. But the question is, will we actually get a return to power sharing at Stormont? Is there a chance of that perhaps, perhaps, perhaps uh, after the May local elections? Well, that is the only chance we have, I suppose, is we, you know, we all know now all the sort of prevaricating that they did about the Windsor framework and you know, it looked like they, they were happy with it and then they weren't happy with it. And it seems now that they were trying to put it off until after those local elections. And you would hope that they will come back into power sharing after that because it's the only opportunity we're going to get. If we don't see it happen after that, well, we can forget yeah. about it, it looks like. There's a fantastic exhibition, by the way, over in the Leinster House Extension. It's lovely to see the faces of the women who were involved in the peace process here in Northern Ireland. And it's there. And right at the end is that lovely uh, new bust of John Hume, uh, which was installed during the week. It really is nice. And there's one issue I want to talk about, though, before we wrap up. And it's while we're speaking, uh, statements are going on uh, in the Dáil Chamber about the Women of Honour report. Um, which was published this week and uh, Defence Minister Tánis de Michal Martin uh, meeting the Women of Honour this week. Um, these women and other people who spoke about unacceptable practices in the Defence Forces, they have been let down so badly in the past and the scale of the problem, it just seems to be enormous. It seems to be absolutely enormous. Some political focus today on the Chief of Staff of the Defence Forces, uh, Lieutenant General uh, Sean Clancy, Holly Curran, saying it's essentially saying it's not credible for him to have said yesterday that he wasn't aware of the scale of the abuse and the bad behaviour that went on in the past, given that he has spent his career there. Now, the Taoiseach and the Taunish have expressed confidence in him, but of course the next step is getting this public statutory judge-led inquiry up and running. It is politically important for the Minister for Defence, Michal Martin, that the Women of Honour group are happy with the terms of reference. They are being consulted, but he would really want them inside the tent. Otherwise, it's going to lose credibility before it even starts. And that was something Mm -hmm. that Simon Coveney wasn't able to do as the previous minister with the review that was carried out. Of course, it wasn't a fact-finding review. It simply gathered together the allegations and presented them. This is going to be fact-finding. It's going to be public. That means that it's going to take longer and it's going to be more costly. Those types of inquiries, as we know, are difficult. And so the question is what happens in the meantime, because we can't all sit around and wait for change, given the scale of the problem uh, that is described in the report. Now, there is talk of uh, legislation and this would allow complaints to go to initially to outside complainants and then to the guard that you would be doing the investigating. So that would be some step forward. There's also talk of the government has said they're going to accept, haven't they, Zurica, all the recommendations? Yes, to have. And I think um, as Minister for Defence, the Tonister has been very very strong on this. I met some of the representatives of the Women of Honour group when they came out with the meeting with him on Monday, I think it was, the day before it was published. And at that stage, he hadn't told them that there was going to be a statutory inquiry. And while 
when before they went into the meeting, they were um, sort of upset about the reaction they were getting from government. But they were reasonably happy when they came out that they were getting a fair hearing and that they would now see something being done about it. And I think they'd be delighted at the fact that there is going to be a statutory inquiry. But as you say, yes, there has to be a follow up on all the issues that were raised and in particular that issue about um, being able to make complaints to the Garda Shihana, um, I think is very important to them as well. And I think the first thing the government are going to do actually is set up this oversight body, this external oversight body that's going to look at culture, ethos, gender equality. They're looking for a chair for that body at the moment. And I think they want to have that up and running in the next couple of weeks so that if it takes longer to get the terms of reference through the doll, uh, the Taoiseach today is speaking about he hopes it's done before the before the summer, but not guaranteed because this is complicated. At least they could say they've got the oversight body in place and that it could begin that really big body of work, which is trying to change the culture within an organisation like that. It's amazing, isn't it, though, again and again, how that issue of culture, you know, the culture and women or vulnerable people tending to be at the front line. And we've seen it, you know, through cervical mm-hmm. check. We've seen it through women of honour. There does seem to be an issue that kind of pervades right across the state. And uh, I don't know. Hopefully we're making progress. The Magdalene Laundries, you know, it really is terrible. All right. Um, When does the doll rise for Easter, Miho? Uh, At seven o'clock this evening, isn't it? Yeah, so everyone's (laughs) off on their break. Not too long now. Is that glint in your eye already? (laughs) Back for President Biden. Well, yeah. Yeah, on duty in some form. Yeah. Uh, yes, it'll be interesting to see uh, who'll be getting invited to all those different events and who'll be mm. queuing up for tickets. So the good one sounds like Farmley. Uh, right. And yeah. I'm not sure, is there a cabinet meeting next week? Or yeah, on there? Wednesday, next Wednesday. Oh, so, yeah, so it's not really no. off. So We're never off. <laughs> <laughs> Always on. Constituency yeah. work. <laughs> on that note, on that note, we'll say a farewell for this week. Uh, so I don't. If we're talking to you, it'll probably be in the context of the mm-hmm. Biden visit. Keep an ear out as well, or an eye out uh, for those Good Friday podcasts. Uh, the first two have had uh, some good reactions so far, and the discussion with Trina Varno and uh, Trina Vargo and David Donahue, who was one of the uh, key Irish civil servants uh, involved in the behind-the-scenes work, right from the Anglo-Irish Agreement all the way through to the Good Friday uh, is certainly one that, if you're interested, uh, is very interesting. So until the next time, goodbye. Take care.